Happy Monday. <laughs> oh, so glad to be with you. Yes. Look at this, huh? It's already middle of May, and we're sailing right along in Masterful Living. I am excited for our class tonight, and so I thank you for joining me in this excitement. So let's take that breath. Let's tune in. Let's tune up. So we take this breath of love and gratitude, and we're so grateful and so thankful to become present in this moment now. Love and gratitude, these are the healing energetics that we rely upon. Love and gratitude, love and gratitude. So in this moment right now, we're choosing to be deeply and profoundly grateful for the love of God revealing itself in our heart and in our mind and in our life. Yes, we take these deep breaths of love and gratitude and we call upon the company of heaven. We call upon the ascended masters and the archangels and the ancestors to assist us in remembering our true identity and choosing to value that above all else. We're choosing freedom. We're choosing to awaken. We're choosing to return to a life of mastery. We've had enough suffering. We're done. So as we take these three deep breaths here, we're consciously disconnecting from the past, consciously letting go of futurizing, obsessing or worrying or thinking about the future, bringing ourselves fully into the present moment, awake and aware to the love that we are. We are grateful. Taking this deep breath, we allow ourselves to become so awake and aware. We're noticing the body temple, allowing it to assist us in being very present to the now moment. Healing happens in the now. Healing is not something that takes place in the future. It happens now. And we're showing up for ourselves right now. So we consciously connect and commune with the higher Holy Spirit self, the I am that I am. Yes. And we are dedicating ourselves to that love. The I am is leading us and guiding us. We're surrendered to that I am presence. We're saying yes to our healing. So we partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self. I am that I am. I am my I am presence. I am one with the one, and for this I am truly grateful. In the name of my beloved I am, I ask that my higher Holy Spirit self, my I am presence, lead and guide me to be in the flow of love in all moments of this day and in every area of my life. I intend to be easily led and guided to choose the highest and best in each and every moment. I allow myself to receive the blessings that are mine to receive. I allow myself to recognize the most loving choices this day. 
Higher Holy Spirit Self, please make the loving choices so attractive to me that I cannot mistake them or overlook them. Help me to choose love and to live my life as a joyful and abundant prayer of the heart. Help me to recognize my life is the eternal life of God. I am dedicated to being a loving and beneficial presence on this planet. I choose to be truly helpful. I share the benefits of my healing and expansion with everyone because I am one with them. I am awakening to know my true identity and the true identity of my brothers and sisters. We are one in love, eternally, gratefully. And for this and all the blessings I receive this day, I am so very grateful. In the name of my beloved, I am. I know that it is done. I allow myself to accept it. And so it is. Amen. 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 I am the purity of love. I am the purity of love. I am the purity of love. Yes. So, we're consciously partnered up with the higher Holy Spirit self. And we intend that our vibration be lifted to the very highest that we can hold and comfortably maintain. We intend to release all attachments, cravings, aversions, addictive and compulsive tendencies and temptations, all cords of negativity to us or from us, released, resolved, and dissolved permanently back to the root source so that we never experience them again. We call for the full restoration of our energy, clearing our entire energy field. We intend for the cleansing and the clearing of all of our chakras so each one of them is spinning strong, beautiful, bright, clean, and clear. We intend that any rips or tears or holes in our auras are repaired so that our aura is intact and working perfectly. We bring all the subtle bodies into balance. All the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, etheric, subtle bodies into balance. Breathing deeply, we see them come into harmonious balance inside our auric field from the front to the back, from the back to the front, from the left to the right, and the right to the left. From the bottom to the top, and the top to the bottom. From the inside to the outside. And the outside to the inside. From the masculine to the feminine and the feminine to the masculine. Everything coming sweetly into balance. We call upon Archangel Michael to place that royal blue shield around our aura. And what is this shield made of? It is made of the energetic of divine will. The blue ray of divine will. So we're consciously choosing to align with divine will. This is our protection. 
Divine will is love. Divine will is peace. Divine will is harmony and joy and freedom, abundance and prosperity, wholeness and healing. So we're aligning with that. That is our protection. And we send a grounding cord down from the root chakra all the way down to the center of the earth. You see it attached there. We're connecting our energy to this great being, Mother Earth, the ultimate Bodhisattva, giving and giving, sharing so much. And we share with her now as we open our feet chakras flat on the floor, feet flat on the floor, opening those feet chakras to powerfully draw in clean, green energy from deep in Mother Earth in through the feet chakras, up the legs, across the thighs, into the root chakra, spinning clockwise and sending that clean green energy back down the grounding cord to the very center of the earth. And seeing this clean green energy restoring, renewing, and supporting us as it continues to circulate around and around and around. Breathing deeply. We draw half of that clean green energy up from the root chakra, the other half going down to the grounding core, to the center of the earth. And we draw the green energy up into our second chakra and our third chakra and our heart chakra, our throat chakra, filling the head, cleansing and clearing the ear chakras, the third eye chakra, the crown chakra. And then going right up out the top of the head, spraying like a fountain in the air, three feet up in the air, raining down upon us, clean green energy, beautifully renewing and supporting us, breathing deeply. And we draw in the white light from above, letting it rain down upon us, sweetly kissing us on the top of the head and coming right on through, down through all the chakras, filling the torso, filling the head and the torso, to the root chakra, down the grounding cord to the center of the earth. Bring the white light all the way through, down to the center of the earth, seeing it spread out from there. You might notice when it touches your feet, as it moves out to surround and enfold the earth. So we're activating this healing white light, not just for ourselves, but for everyone, for all beings, including Mother Earth all of our relatives and our co-workers and our community and all the beings of the earth, the world leaders, the light workers, everyone being bathed in the white light.
And now, breathing deeply. Let's move into an awareness of our heart chakra. Fire up that heart chakra with gratitude. Love and gratitude for our teachers. Love and gratitude for the teachers we know and the ones we don't know. All the teachers we've embraced and all the teachers we've rejected. All the teachers felt and not felt, seen and not seen, heard and not heard. We are gratefully blessing them, thanking them. We're consciously deciding right now to open our minds to harvest the learning from our errors in the past. To harvest the learning from the lessons that we've rejected. We're opening our heart and mind to receive them now. Receive them now. We accept them now. We allow them now. Opening our heart and our mind to this clarity and this expansion. Surrendering the blocks to love now. We see a rainbow Taurus ring, like the one in the workbook turning in the heart, sending rainbows of love and light from our heart to the heart of the universe and receiving those rainbows of love and light back again. And seeing that rainbow Taurus ring at the edge of the aura doing the same thing, turning, sending rainbows of love and light from our heart to the heart of the universe and back again. We receive the rainbows of love and light. And so we're grateful, grateful, grateful. We expand the white light from our heart to fill and seal our entire aura from the inside. Blue light on the outside, white light on the inside. And we're grateful and thankful to accept and to receive our blessings right now. So grateful. So grateful. I love this prayer from A Course in Miracles, Lesson 189. Father, we do not know the way to you, but we have called and you have answered us. We will not interfere. Salvation ways are not our own, for they belong to you. And it is unto you we look for them. Our hands are open to receive your gifts. We have no thoughts we think apart from you and cherish no beliefs of what you are, what we are, or who created us. Yours is the way that we would find and follow. And we ask, but that your will, which is our own as well, be done in us and in the world that it become a part of heaven now. Amen. Amen, amen. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. So nice to join together in this way. So, let's see here. 
heads up, I suggested last week that uh, y'all look at <laughs> y'all look at the um, unkept agreements in the um, workbook, unkept agreements. And uh, I wonder if there's anybody who did that work in the workbook about unkept kept agreements who had any insight or any healing that they'd like to share with us. Anybody want to share anything? Start to, to raise your hand. All right. Well, let me just say that I discovered that my unkept agreements were a massive drain on my energy. And it becomes such a massive drain that what the ego mind does with it is it compartmentalizes it. It tucks it away. It's like it puts it in a, a box and puts it on the back shelf. But it's still there. <laughs> you can put it out of sight, but you can't put it out of mind. So one of the great benefits of doing that section, Unkept Agreements, is that it will bring you tremendous expansion and clarity and even physical healing. So if you're suffering emotionally, if you feel afraid, if you've got a lot of stuff going on right now, I encourage you to look at that unkept agreement. It's going to be a big power boost to you if you do that. And if there's anything for you to forgive yourself with, you know, you have that forgiveness letter. And then this week what I'm suggesting to you is the healing self-sabotage section in the workbook. And remember, all the work in the workbook is optional. The people who do it uh, have markedly more success in the class than the people who don't. But I totally understand that not everybody wants to do the workbooks, and that's fine. So there you go. Healing self-sabotage is what I'm recommending for you to do this week. And I just want to let you know, uh, uh, remind you, of course this is posted on the website, but there's no class on Memorial Day, which is the, is it the 31st? I think it might be. Um, it is the last Monday of May. Oh, no, it's not the 31st. It's the 26th. Well, I guess it's next week then. Memorial Day is next week. Yeah, okay, so there's no class next week. I'm out of touch with things here. Um, okay. <sighs> so, uh, yeah, we're going to have a holiday. It's a major, major holiday in uh, the United States, so we're taking that day off. There will be no classes whatsoever on Monday next week. All right, so uh, we are going to discuss a few things today, and one is uh, we're going to talk about self-sabotage. And just before we do that, I would like to also speak some about Angels in My Hair, the Lorna Byrne book that I love so much. Some of you may know that 
I interviewed Lorna. I love all her books, actually. And um, I've been reading her latest one, which is called Love from Heaven. And uh, uh, I'm enjoying it, as I always do. I, I, I enjoy Lorna tremendously. And uh, I can tell you just a little bit about her. She lives in Ireland. And um, they think of her as a saint there. And um, she was raised a Catholic, uh, for those of you who haven't read Angels in My Hair. Anybody who's on the phone right now who has read Angels in My Hair, you want to press star two to raise your hand? Anybody who's read Angels in My Hair? Great. You know what? Um, uh, I think that's Kazi who raised her hand first. Um, oh, we've got Lone raising her hand. If you don't mind, I'd like to, I'm going to lower your hand. If either of you would be willing to just say a little bit about it, would you press star two again? If you'd be willing to say a little bit about your experience of reading Lorna's book. Press star two again. Okay, thanks, Kazi. Hey. Hello. Hey. Um, so I read the book last year, and I really loved it. Um, it got me really into touch with the angel energy that was around, and I think the thing that stuck out for me the most, I love the entire book, but that um, that they're always there, but that you need to ask them to help for help. They won't provide help unless you, unless you ask and really invite them in. And that was a great reminder for me. Yes, thank you. Thank you for saying that because that is the number one reason that I have everybody read Angels in My Hair so that they can really have all those beautiful stories. There's so many stories in the book about how if you would like to get help, you must ask. It's one of the key lessons we have to learn in this human experience. Ask and ask and ask. And the other thing I would also say, just add, is that um, I'm sure there's a lot of people on the call who are, like, really skeptical about, you know, they may not believe in that kind of energy or whatever, but she's, she, re she writes so well, and you can really feel it, and so to just be open and see what comes. I mean, I really felt like she makes it very accessible, Yeah. the stories are fabulous, and you can really relate. There's always one story at least someone would relate to. Yes, thank you. Very well said, Kazi. I appreciate it. All right, I'm going to mute you out. I'm going to see if any of the year two or three students who are listening would like to share anything about Angels in My Hair. Raise your hand. Susie. All right, Susie. Hey. Hey, I am thoroughly enjoying the bird's singing in the background. Yeah. Oh, I know. Me too. It's wonderful. <laughs> it is wonderful. I loved in my hair. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember the name of the other book that I read. It may be the one you are now reading, if that is her latest book. Well, um, there's Stairway to Heaven, and okay. then there's a Message of Hope, a message of hope from the angels, and then the the fourth one is love from heaven. 
Okay. Yes, I've read a, ma- a message of hope. I did not know that there was a fourth one. Oh, cool. I'm going to get it. Um, <clears throat> I came to it as someone who knew that there were people out there that believed in angels. Mm-hmm. I just didn't. It wasn't that I had a great aversion to it. I just um a real literal person. <laughs> And it it opened my eyes to the, not only the possibility, but the probability and the potential of powerful, loving, invisible energy that is always there for all of us to call mm-hmm. on for help. Mm-hmm. And um, I had ahas. And uh, my willingness to open my mind because of the energy in the book, the way she writes. And I also found the stories that she related about other people's interaction with angels and what she saw. So beautiful and so encouraging, and um, I don't remember which book. It may have been the second one, but there was one that she told about a mother with a a very recalcitrant teenage daughter, and their relationship was just terrible. And the healing that came to this mother and daughter from the guidance Lorna gave them was just beautiful. So for those of you who have not read it, Mm -hmm. uh, it's wonderful. It's just, it's it's so filled with love. Mm -hmm. Everything positive. And these beings are there. Mm -hmm. Just waiting for us in constant patience and no judgment whatsoever to just ask for help. And it's all about the asking. It's just, it's wonderful. Mm. So for those of you who are resistant, I encourage you to read it anyway. Just do it. Thank you, Susie. You're welcome. All right. So I first, uh, I, I like to listen to audiobooks when I'm walking and doing things around the house. So I listened to Angels in My Hair the first time. Uh, well, I listened to it a couple of times on audiobook, and I really loved it. It's very well read by an Irish actress. And... Um, and the stories are quite unique, and uh, her story, Lorna's story, is quite interesting. So, for those of you who haven't read the book, don't intend to read the book, let me just share a few things about it. Um, Lorna has been able; she's about my age. She's in her fifties, and she has been able to see. angels ever since she was born 
And when she was very young, she was constantly, her eyes were constantly being drawn to the incredible visions of these angels all over the place. And um, people, the doctor actually thought that, uh, made the conclusion that she was retarded, mentally retarded. And uh, because she, just the way her eyes were moving around the room, she was looking at things that nobody else could see, that she could see. She was listening to conversations that nobody else could hear, that she could hear. And so they made, they gave that diagnosis to her. Now, in a very real way, it seemed to cause her a tremendous amount of pain because the rest of her uh, life, really, she had until at least she was well into an adult and a mother. People really thought of her as being mentally retarded. So it would be like, uh, she wasn't even in the room. People would talk about her in front of her so she couldn't understand. And um, she's a very intelligent woman. And um, and she's a very a kind of innocent, sweet uh, woman. And she's not a, she's a no-frills kind of person. Uh, and just very um, demure and... Um, Anyway, she she had a lot of challenges because of that that situation. She also had a lot of challenges because her family was very poor. At one point in her childhood, she um, was very sick because she was so malnourished because they were mostly eating potatoes and bread. And uh, she married, she had, I think, four children, and her husband got very ill, and uh, they were uh, on government support. And then the government, people thought that they were faking, which they completely were not. And so uh, they were very, very poor. And uh, uh, very hard times raising the family. The husband is sick, needs medicine, and all these things. And uh, it's a very challenging life. And yet, she had this incredible gift of seeing all these angels. And it was also a challenge because the angels would consistently ask her to do things for them. (laughs) And so there were many times when they would ask her to do things she really didn't want to do that frightened her. uh, Because she's such a shy person about talking to people or doing things that she just really didn't want to do. But for the most part, she really was obedient to the angels. And uh, she has had the wonderful opportunity to experience Jesus and Archangel Michael up close and personal. And she's had extraordinary experiences. And because she's Catholic, in her stories, Jesus is God, and she does not feel um, united with God in the way that we teach in our Course in Miracles New Thought teachings, and um, she, she believes in the devil. She's raised a Catholic, and so her battle with the ego takes the a form of a battle with the devil. And so, but to me, it's no less 
of a an ego experience. She just has it in her way. And uh, many extraordinary stories that show you the power of listening to your angels and the suffering caused by not listening to your angels. And uh, I had the honor to interview Lorna, and I, I think I told this story. I can't remember where I told the story, but I think I told it in this class. Uh, tell me if I did. Somebody raised their hand. Did I tell you the story about when I interviewed her? Anybody start to raise your hand if I told that story? I want to tell it again. I told it recently. Can't imagine where I would have told it. Oh, you know what? I probably told it in the sacred circle. Okay, so <laughs> um, when I went to interview her, uh, which you can listen to it on my radio show archive, it would have been late November 2012, an interview with Lorna. And um, on the way there, I asked my friend who was taking me to her editor's house, which is where we met, and um, I said to my friend on the way, I would like to stop and get some pastry, because I know they'll be serving us tea, and it would be nice to stop at a nice bakery, maybe get some French pastry or something like that. So my friend knew just the place on the way, so we stopped there, and uh, I told my friend uh, as we were getting uh, closer to the uh, bakery that I was going to ask the angels to tell me what to bring uh, to Lorna. And so I said to the angels, when I walk in the shop, whatever my eyes see first, that's for Lorna. So I walked in the shop, and the first thing I saw was chocolate eclairs. And uh, so I got some chocolate eclairs and some other things. And uh, when I got to the house, I told Lorna, I, I said, oh, I brought you some pastry. I hope, uh, I said, tell me, tell me what, you, what you love for pastry. And she said, well, I always love things with apples. And I, I think I had gotten something with apples in it. And she said, but what I really love is chocolate eclairs. And I said, well... That's what your angel said, so here you go. And um, and she said, oh, you're, you're a good listener. And she said, yes. When my husband was really sick and we didn't have any money, it would be a huge treat for us, for the whole family to get one eclair, and we'd split it. We'd each take part of the eclair. And everybody had their favorite part. <laughs> so she said, I have a lot of happy memories about eclairs, and that's, that's why they're my favorite. So um, this is an example of how to listen to your angels and how to um, ask them to help you. So I just said, when I walk in the store, whatever my eyes see first, that's the thing for Lorna. And it was just, there they were, clear as day. And there were lots of things in the store, but that's what my eyes aligned on first. And... Another story I'll tell you from that interview was, uh, I think, a beautiful story of uh, that she told. I think she may have told it in the interview about 
watching, um, she was standing at a bus stop or something like that. She noticed across the street there was a park bench and that uh, it was a beautiful day and there was a woman sitting on the park bench who seemed to have be in some kind of emotional crisis, really desperate emotional crisis. And she was sitting on the bench and Lorna could feel her energy and she saw the angels around this woman asking people, passers-by, to stop and sit on the bench. So she saw all these angels asking everybody to stop and sit on the bench and look at what a beautiful day it was. Just take a few minutes and sit on the bench. And uh, everybody's walking by and nobody's listening to the angels until this one young man comes by and he hears them, you know, in the sense that he stops and he notices, yes, it's a beautiful day. He sits down on the bench and he says to the woman, oh, what a gorgeous day. And the woman now, her mind is shifting. Her perspective is shifting because someone who feels good and harmonious, and that's the key of why he heard his angels. He And I'm, I'm adding things that I hear, hear guidance adding a little bit too. That's why he could hear them because he felt good about himself. And so he obeyed the angels, he sat down, and he struck up a conversation with this woman. Now, she wasn't paying any attention to the day because she was immersed in her misery. But as soon as he started talking to her, her energy started to shift, and Lorna said she could see it happening. And that the woman's energy changed. She was now willing to admit, yes, it's a beautiful day. Yes, something to be grateful for. And her energy was shifted. And she said the young man just sat there for five minutes, but it totally changed that woman's perspective. She said, Jennifer, the angels are always doing that with us, but we just don't listen. We don't listen. So one of the reasons why I have you read Lorna's books is to help you learn how to be better listeners. In her recent book, Love from Heaven, she talks about how self-love is the key to everything. And of course it is. All love is self-love. If you can't love yourself, you really, truly cannot love others. And so without self-love, we really can't awaken. Without self-love, we won't do our forgiveness work. We'll just push all our healing away. I've seen it so many times that people just completely... aren't willing because that spark of self-love isn't being flamed uh, and activated. But it's always there, so we can always choose it. And that was one of the critical things in my own healing. In fact, it was the turning point. And I remember it very clearly. I was desperately miserable, and I realized that I was filled with self-hatred. And I made the decision then and there to make loving myself my number one priority. It was more important than anything else in my life. And I put some attention on it every day. And I was amazed that within a year's time, I felt loving towards myself, genuinely loving towards myself. And so in this Love from Heaven book, she talks about... See if I can just grab it here. 
I wish I could take a picture of this hare that comes and visits me. He's out there now looking at me in the yard. Oh, he just went running away. He's like, oh, you're talking about me. i got to get out of here. He runs so fast, you can't possibly take a picture of him. You know what they say about hairs. So go in there. Um, <laughs> and so she talks about how... Uh, this one man she saw... Um, well, she says here, I'm occasionally privileged to meet someone who has a very high level of love, and it is such a joy for me when I do. I recently met an elderly man who set up and runs a charity that helps people in dire need. As soon as I saw him, I was overwhelmed by the power of the force of love I could see coming from him. It was like a powerful series of waves that touched everyone in the vicinity and then turned back and showered him as well. So what I immediately thought of when I read this was that the rainbows of love and light turning and returning. And I know I thought of that because the angels led me to that thought to understand that when we have love for ourselves, and I feel my heart chakra opening, opening as I'm talking about it, so I always know that's a good sign. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just reading here. It says, the angels that surrounded him told me that this man had 100% love for himself and so was able to give love to all. This love manifested in all around him and in his work. I believe that he has had a positive effect on everyone who has come into his life and that because of his enormous love for himself and others, he is able to make a difference, sometimes a dramatic one, where others have failed or given up hope. I wish, I wish there were more people like him in business, charities, and politics. If there were, our world would be so different. So when we love ourselves, we're literally sending waves of energy out that are returning to us. Isn't that interesting? You see, because there is only the one. So we're sending out these waves of love when we're loving ourselves, and it's healing to others. And then it returns the waves to us, showering us back again. Rainbows of love and light. From our heart to the heart of the universe and back again. If you know of anyone who is suffering, one thing you can do is you can send rainbows of love and light from my heart to their heart. Rainbows of love and light from my heart to their heart. I can tell you that there have been some times in my experience as a teacher where someone who came to me for support got mad at me and rejected me. It's happened a couple of times. And I knew that when it happened that what they were doing was they were really 
sabotaging themselves and that they wanted an excuse to be able to say, I'm helpless, I'm hopeless, and to spiral down as one does if one is committed to negativity. And so, uh, and I have felt that way. And so I've, I, a couple occasions I've had people become very angry at me and, um, you know, tell me to F off and things like that. And it was very unexpected for me. And it seemed completely unwarranted in the moment. And uh, in those cases, what I have done is I prayed and prayed and prayed, not for them to change their mind about me, because it's all projection and I knew that, but just for them to know themselves with love. And one of the things I would do would be to send rainbows of love and light from my heart to their heart. Now, it doesn't... It's not always a good thing. So you have to be mindful and you have to be willing to say, if I send rainbows of love and light from my heart to their heart, will it bring benefit? Because remember, sometimes we want to effect a change so we feel better. And that really is giving to get. And uh, sometimes people are not interested in that love and light and they're truly not. And to send it to them without their desiring it can feel like an attack to them. And it can make things worse. So you have to be willing to ask. If you don't feel like you're hearing an answer, you could ask for a sign. And it's important to start to ask for these things. And um, you can ask for... You can experiment with asking for a sign by saying, I'd like to have a sign that I can recognize clearly. I'd like to have a sign that helps me to know yes or no. But I find most of the time, if you're willing it will become clear to you. If you're really coming from love. If you're not coming from love, if you're confused, if you have a lot of judgment, you might not be able to perceive a clear sign because your judgment would be interfering. I could spend a lot of time on Lorna Burns' books because I think they're so precious and beautiful and have so many things to teach in them. And I have, in previous years, done that, but I'm not going to do that this year. Um, I'm going to let you discover them on your own, and if anybody would ever like to ask a question about them uh, in the class, I'll be happy to address that. Um I had one more thought. What was I going to say about that? I think her life is an extraordinary act of service. 
and I told her that the first time I ever spoke to her, um, she was doing a, a book event in Los Angeles, and literally, it was at like 7 o'clock at night, and at 6 o'clock or something like that, I happened to see an email from someone who I don't usually get emails from, who said that Lorna Byrne was going to be at this bookstore not far from me, and in an hour, giving a talk. And as soon as I saw it, I said, I have to go there. And I had no plans. And it was just like the angels helped me to see that email because it was just a miracle that I saw that email. And um, so I went, and I really went for one purpose, and that was to say to her, because I knew she'd take questions, so uh, as soon as she took questions, I raised my hand. She called on me, and I said, Lorna, I just, I really don't have a question. I just want to tell you that I am profoundly grateful for all the hardship that you went through in order to teach us all these beautiful lessons because you have taught us to be, by your experience, you've taught us to be obedient to the angels and to ask for help and most importantly, to be compassionate no matter what, because there were times in your life when you were treated so badly by so many people, and you've forgiven them all, and it's an extraordinary testimony of love, and I honestly, I just want to thank you on behalf of all humanity, and uh, I was very grateful that I got to say that to her. So Susie's raising her hand here. Hang on one sec. Susie. I have a question. Actually, I have a request. If right. you would clarify a little bit more about being careful to pray for people. Um, I'm a, a little confused. Okay. And... Let, is, let me... Yep. There are a time when it is inappropriate to actually see someone, no matter how they're appearing in form or what is going on in their life, as the truth of who they are, that they are a being of love and light and, you know, one with all and the I am presence. And to come from your loving heart in seeing them that way. I'm glad you're asking the question. So it's it's I don't I have never felt that it was inappropriate to pray for anyone. And I have never felt that it was not a good idea to see anyone as whole, perfect and complete. However, sending someone love and light is a different thing. And that's what I was talking about, so I'm really glad you asked me to clarify it. So because Sometimes when people are um, meeting challenges of some kind, I will send waves of love and light energetically towards them. But I check first to see, are they receptive to that? So how do you check first to see if they're receptive to it? You really can just ask in your mind, is this a good thing? Are they receptive to it? And see what answer you get. 
And just be mindful of, are you trying to work your will or not? And because if you're trying to work your will, you're going to get hit in the head with it. Because it always, that's how it happens. If you're, whenever you're trying to work your will, you're going to get hit in the head with it. Meaning you're going to get slapped for it. You're going to get, you're going to, you're going to get the, it's, because trying to work your will is a form of judgment. So you're just going to get judged in some way back. Or it will backfire on you. People will get mad at you. Um, we've all experienced that so many times. And uh, so sending waves of love and light healing energy to people who are not receptive to it can sometimes uh, kind of inflame them. And that's not what you intend. So, But prayer is different because... Prayer is really handing it over. And the answer prayer, you're not in charge of that. Uh, sometimes people try to pray, you know, for somebody's particular this. Oh, you know, I pray that uh, Bob really returns her calls and they get back together. You know, people pray for that kind of stuff. Well, y- you don't know because Bob not returning her calls could really be the very best thing for her. So let's. Let's just leave it all up to God and we just bless them both, is my policy in prayers. Does that make sense? Yes, thank you. I, I see the distinction and the awareness that one has to have is for as for the motivation of sending something directly to someone instead of just holding them in your heart with love. Right. Because I can see that unless specifically requested, it's a potentially coming from the ego because you're trying to fix them. Right. Yep, I get it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Susan. And we've got the other Sue here. Yeah, hi, Jennifer. Hey. Hi, Jennifer. I just wanted to add to this discussion because I found the zero limits so helpful for me. With And it's just what Susie just said, the difference of motivation. I'm getting clearer. For instance, when I'm teaching diversity seminars, sometimes people have been sent there because they've been saying outlandish or whatever things. So they come kind of pissed to the class. And before, I might have just, sent them love but not be really clear am I sending them love like you say giving to get because I really hope they calm down and don't ruin my class I don't know what they're feeling or am I holding it's different sending love and just saying I love you I just love you you know and being able to listen to them and hold their energy and not know what's best for them or the class you know it's it's a deep place of surrender and the zero limits have been helpful because what I can always do is love myself in that moment so that um, when Dr. Hulen at the end kind of sent some notes to Joe Vitale and it was the question of um, what's going on in me that's showing up as this person's resistance, that we're sharing a program here as mm-hmm. opposed to being separate and knowing what they should be about. I just start loving the resistance in myself. And, and what I heard you say today, of course, when I'm loving myself in that moment, I'm just saying... I'm sorry, show me how to forgive myself. I love you, Sue. Thank you, God. 
um, that rainbow of love goes out with no agenda to them. So I don't even have to send them love. Sometimes they just send me love, and um, it just it, yeah, it just feels cleaner and and it feels um, like I'm keeping clear who's the creator and who's the created. <laughs> I'm not trying to make something happen. Beautifully said. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, and thank you for so much for tying that back to Zero Limits. That Zero Limits book is really good. All right, thank you, Sue. And Carla has written in, and she has a share for us here. She said, she says, rather, looking back to when my life started shifting, and right before I had a major shift, it was right after I asked for help from any entity around that was willing. I did not believe at the time, but now I feel that was a huge event. Yes, yes, yes. I'm telling you, if you, whether it's something minor or major, ask for help from the angels. And so what I'm going to invite everyone to do for this next week is to ask for help, make a commitment, like, um, you know, put a post-it up, ask the angels for help. Uh, put it all around your house and, and on your desk at work, in your checkbook, wherever you might see it. And just ask for help from the angels for over and over and over again. You know, help me get dinner on the table on time. Help me to um, pick the healthiest foods in the grocery store. Help me to get to work on time. Help me to release resistance to my mother-in-law, whatever it is. And uh, and see, notice what the differences are. And then say thank you. Thank you, angels. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So powerful, so important. You know, it's... Uh, it's like, imagine that you were going through, because you are, you're going through your life and you have this team of experts who can see through all directions of time and space. And they are standing by, ready to help you, but they cannot help you if you don't ask. And that is the Ascended Masters and the Angels. They are forbidden. There's no way. They do not have free will in this world. So if you don't ask for help, they cannot help you. And asking for help requires humility. Only, <coughs> only the ego doesn't want to ask for help. The ego will be a victim or it won't ask for help at all. So these are some of the ways that we sabotage ourselves tremendously. We sabotage ourselves by not asking for help and instead we complain. I don't know about you, but I used to have this thought all the time. It was one of the strongest thoughts in my mind. I have to do it all myself. I have to do it all myself. I have to do it all myself. It's all on me. I'm all alone in this world. I have to do everything myself. All by myself, doing it by myself. All day long, I don't have enough help. I have to do it by myself. 
Anybody have that? Start two to raise your hand. You got the all by myself? Kazi again. Kazi, you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, that just makes me laugh. I have. <laughs> That's probably my key one that I keep having to give to the holy, the higher holy self is that, oh, I always, I have to do everything by myself. I have to do it all by myself. And it's just such a pity poor place. It's terrible. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So I, I really appreciate you saying it because this makes me laugh at it now. I mean, but it's how I live my life. And then that, if that's how you think, that's what happens. There's nobody to help because you're not even asking. Well, you're, you're declaring it to be so, so it really can't change. Right, exactly. So, yeah. But it feels great to be able to laugh at it because it's changed so much in my life. Good. Thank you for the opportunity to laugh. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I almost never have that thought anymore. And I said that thought 40,000 times a day. Yeah. Yeah. Good for yeah. you, Kazi. Yeah, thank, thank you. <laughs> Sue, you want to say anything about your... Uh, your experience of that? I'm I'm just laughing all over. This was the family joke that truly, I said mom or something, but the joke in my family was the first words I spoke was, I'll do it myself. And it, <laughs> it was a regular family joke, you know, and of course I'm in business for myself and da, da, da. And, you know, I now have for the first time an assistant and it's it's been a learning to let that one go. Yeah. Yeah, and the best way to do it is to ask for help and say thank you when it comes. And, um, you know, one of the biggest forms of self-sabotage is thinking you have to do it all by yourself. So let's let that one go. Thank you, Sue. All right, so uh, here's the major thing about self-sabotage. And we'll talk about this more next week, this topic more next week. Self-sabotage has a purpose. It doesn't just mean that you're self-destructive. It has a purpose. And the purpose of self-sabotage is to slow down your spiritual growth. That's right. The purpose of self-sabotage is to slow down your spiritual growth. Sorry, there somebody is burning something in a fireplace or something in my neighborhood. I'm getting the smoke in my throat a little here. Because i got all the windows open here. Huh. Um, it's to slow down our spiritual growth. Because we live in a progressive universe. What does that mean? It means the universe is expanding. It means we're awakening, and we are rapidly awakening. And the ego knows that the very best way to slow down your awakening is to coerce you into self-sabotage of some kind. Because then, what is the repercussion of self-sabotage? Whenever you um, have self-sabotage, then what? Let's let's hear from somebody who uh, doesn't usually share or ha- who hasn't shared today already. When you s- sabotage yourself, then what? Start to raise your hand. Okay, I'm not sure who this is in Massachusetts. Hi. Hi. 
And this is Margo. Hey, Margo. Hi. Um, I'm the best self-sabotager going. Congratulations. Thank you. Good to be good at something. (laughs) (laughs) Guilt and shame are the first immediate and longest lasting uh, Mm -hmm. effects that I have. Mm -hmm. I cherish them at times. Um, It's always about putting myself down and Mm -hmm. not being good enough and not doing things right and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, just getting into that blame and shame stuff. It's it's so familiar. It's in every cell in my body. And uh, doing otherwise is uh, feels marvelous, and it's new, and it's scary. Mm-hmm. So it's so much easier, and it's almost like it's um, automatic. Mm-hmm. It's just putting myself on automatic, mm-hmm. and I'll self-sabotage myself, and I can mm-hmm. do it around every part of my life. Mm -hmm. And it's really good to be so aware of it. Mm -hmm. And since I've been doing Masterful Living, uh, my uh, relationship with my husband has greatly shifted. Mm -hmm. Yes. And... um, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um... How do you feel the shifting? How do you notice it? How do I notice it? Is that we are talking with each other every day. Mm -hmm. I just went through surgery, uh, and I'm recovering since February. And he's been there every minute. Uh, There has been no... He he is usually very angry and uh, short, and there he has been able... Well, yeah... I've been able to release my anger towards him, mm-hmm. and in turn, his anger is gone. And I was always putting it on him being the angry one, but I see mm-hmm. in myself that I have been just as angry at him mm-hmm. for everything. Yeah. 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 Poor guy couldn't do anything right. Uh-huh. But... Uh, um. It's been miraculous. It's just this huge shift that we are back in harmony again like we were when we were dating. It's it's really, really, and it's sincere. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time that we've had peace in this house. Yeah. Thank so, you for uh, sharing that yeah. with us. You're welcome. That is so huge. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. (laughs) All right. More to come. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Margot. So, self sabotage, it comes in so many forms. Most of them, uh, we're pretty familiar with our favorites, but it is so key to understand that if you are, and of course you are, because you're in Masterful Living, if you are focused on your spiritual growth and you're trying to do this and do that to increase your spiritual growth, one of the main things you can do is make the commitment 
and ask the angels to help you to recognize self-sabotage, self-sabotaging tendencies, and what are the situations and circumstances that set you up for that, okay? Because a lot of people in this day and age are working long, hard hours, and they're tired, and they're exhausted, and they're trying to do too much. Because uh, particularly in America, the standard of living is very high for even the average person. And so do you know that back in, say, before the 60s, uh, probably the later 60s, but it used to be that the average father in America spent four hours with his children each day. Four hours of quality time with his children each day. Now, I know my brother spends probably that much time with his kids uh, in the course of a day, but I think that's unusual. A lot of fathers don't spend that much time with their children anymore. They let the babysitter be the television. So instead of playing catch in the backyard, they let the kids watch television and they do something they want to do for themselves instead of relating to their children. And which also means that they're not having playtime with their children, which means that they're not having playtime and getting outside and doing a lot of the things that people used to do when life was simpler back before the advent of television. I know in my house growing up, when I was about 12 years old, uh, and my brother's three and a half years younger than me, my dad came home from work one day, he was a professor at Brown University, and he came home and he came into the den. My brother and I were probably watching an I Love Lucy rerun or something like that because we used to love to watch I Love Lucy, Love Lucille Ball. And uh, he said, hi, kids. I'm home. We didn't say anything. Hey, kids, I'm home. We didn't say anything because we were hypnotized by the television. And uh, from that point on, my brother and I only got to watch two hours of television a week. We could pick whatever we wanted, pretty much, but we had to schedule it, and that was that. Unless the whole family was going to watch something together, then that would be a separate occasion. And we were allowed to watch educational shows. Um, that's not part of our two hours. Like we used to watch um, things on PBS that were good for us, <laughs> which we liked, fortunately, but. Believe me, I would have liked to watch I Love Lucy better. So, but that was that. My dad said, no, I'm not going to have my kids hypnotized. And I have to say that that was one of the best gifts my parents ever gave me because I didn't become addicted to television and commercials and having all of that input into my mind. And I know for me... Uh, as an adult, uh, there were definitely times, the lowest points of my life, I would come home from work or whatever, and I would drink uh, wine or beer or whatever, 
and smoke cigarettes and eat snacks and watch television and zone out. And then, and I would always overindulge in all four of those things. Too many cigarettes, too much alcohol, too much salt, too much television, staying up too late, self-medicating. And then I would wake up the next day having self-sabotaged in the form of self-medication. And I would feel ashamed and I would feel guilty and I would berate myself and it would take me a while to recover from that. And then, of course, how did I want to drown out all that self-judgment? Self-medication. And it would just spiral around and spiral around and spiral around. And it, it had me caught, you know. And so I know so many spiritual students who've come to me for counseling who they're like, you know, I just have to admit, I have one too many glasses of wine every night. And I know I'm doing it just because I'm not happy. And I don't know what to do. And I keep thinking if I had more time, I would do more spiritual practice. And so that's why one of the most self-sabotaging thoughts we can have is that if I had more time, I would do more spiritual practice. Spiritual practice saves time. Because... If you are in your spiritual practice, you're forgiving yourself, you're forgiving others, you're releasing judgments, you're going to create a lot fewer upsets, arguments, accidents, etc. that you then have to cope with and manage and try to deal with. And it is a much healthier and faster way to go to simply do your spiritual practice. Just Even just five to ten minutes a day will save you time. Then you make it 15 minutes a day, it will save you time. And at some point, you won't have to force yourself to do it because you love to do it. And that's the truth. I've seen it happen with so many people, particularly people in Massive Living, but that by the end of the year, they just love their spiritual practice. It's one of the favorite parts of their day, and they don't have to force themselves to do it anymore. And they save a lot of time, and like Margot, they improve, miraculously improve their relationships and all kinds of things. So remember, self-sabotage is for the purpose of slowing down your spiritual growth. So rather than slow it down by means of self-sabotage, what about asking the angels to assist you in integrating it, to assist you in going at the pace that you can feel most comfortable at, and to help you to move with ease and grace through your expansion. Isn't that a much better idea than <laughs> to slow yourself down with self-medication? Yeah, of course it is. All right, so let's place our hand on our heart and be so grateful. So grateful for our Match for Living community, 
Those community calls are so beautiful. Thank you to everyone who participates in them. So grateful and so thankful to join together for the purpose of love. So grateful and so thankful to open our hearts and minds to infinite intelligence guiding us. We're saying yes to divine guidance and insight, saying yes to support from the angels. In grace and in gratitude, we joyfully are sharing our healing with everyone because we're one with them. Blessing everyone everywhere. We're grateful and thankful to receive our blessings, to allow them to be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, everybody. I love you and appreciate you, and have a great rest of your week. Mwah.